Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks very much for tuning in here for this episode of the show. We are just days away from a new state budget being due for the April 1st start of the new state fiscal year. We'll see if there is going to be a state budget uh, by then. Uh, we are going to dig into that topic further here today on the show with my guest state, Senator Gustavo Rivera, a Democrat from the Bronx, joining me in just one minute. The budget being negotiated between Governor Kathy Hochul and the state legislature is expected to come in at somewhere around $220 billion and also include a good bit of policy decisions, changes to existing policies, new policies. We don't know what will be in this budget deal, but there's a lot of questions being negotiated around both funding and policy. There's a lot being negotiated among the powers that be and others trying to influence the process, advocates, activists, Republicans, and so forth. Democrats, of course, controlling the governor's office and both houses of the state legislature, which have super majorities in each house, leaving it mostly up to the Democrats to decide what's in this final deal. If you want to hear the Republican perspective, I just had on the show Republican State Senate Minority Leader Rob Ort. You can check out that episode of the show. If you've missed other discussions here on Max Politics, find them all wherever you get podcasts or we have them all at the Gotham Gazette website. We've been talking a lot about the state budget because of its immense importance and, of course, the timeliness here. But we've also had some great other guests, uh, a couple recent episodes related to the state budget and state policy. And then beyond that, have had some discussions more focused on New York City, public health policy, uh, and a variety of other topics, including guests like Dr. Jay Varma, the former top advisor for public health under Mayor Bill de Blasio and an international expert on infectious disease prevention and control, had on Joanne Yu, the executive director of the Asian American Federation, New York City controller Brad Lander, and many other great guests. We've been talking public health, we've been talking housing policy, cryptocurrency, clean energy, and much more. So again, find those at Max Politics wherever you get your podcast or at the Gotham Gazette website. All right, here on the show today, we are continuing to dig in on the New York State budget, which again is due uh, by the April start, uh, April 1 start of the new fiscal year, although it could be a little bit later than that, and we'll get into that with today's guest. I'm happy to be joined by New York State Senator Gustavo Rivera. He represents the 33rd State Senate District in the Bronx since 2010. That includes neighborhoods of Kingsbridge Heights, East Tremont, Cortona Park, Fordham, Mount Hope, Belmont. Van Ness, Claremont, Morris Park. Uh, Senator Gustavo Rivera is known for being outspoken in the legislature. He's also known as the chair of the health committee. Senator Rivera, thanks for coming back on the show. Appreciate it. It is a pleasure to see you, my brother. It's a pleasure to hear you. Uh, thanks for being here. So we are speaking here. It's very important to note uh, in the middle of the day on Wednesday, March 30th. A lot changes at this time of the year in Albany, so uh, parts of this discussion could quickly become outdated, but we shall see. Hopefully people will flock to listen to it while it's still fully relevant, but I'm sure a lot of the things that you'll share in your perspective um, will, of course, be important uh, perspective as the deal comes through. Or, so maybe, as, or maybe they'll turn, or maybe they'll tune in and to see all the ways that I was wrong. I don't know. <laughs> well, that that's always possible as well. Um, so, so as we are looking for a state budget deal here, one thing that I want to start with with you is 
why is this process not better than this? Why are we always doing this? It seems like new governor, there was supposed to be sort of a new day. Uh, Democrats took control of the state Senate uh, a few years ago. Again, supposed to be a new day. There have been lots of changes, obviously, in terms of ethics and uh, sexual harassment prevention policies and a variety of other things that relate to sort of, uh, you know, how government works and operates. But we still can't get a better budget uh, process here. Why? Why can't there be, you know, you're going to need messages of necessity to pass the budget again, which means nobody really gets to look at it before it's voted on. Why is this not better? Dude, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, I, I to just to just back up for a second. I mean, yeah. The, the reality is that during the budget process, uh, I, and I've, I, I actually remember saying this last year when we did uh, say, you know, say, say our goodbyes to the departed, which is how I refer to the prior governor when I'm being nice, and we got a new governor, and and there was certainly there's certainly been things that have been completely different. The relationship that we have with her as a legislature, the fact that she, uh, under most circumstances, and we'll get to that, respects us as a legislature and treats us. As if they were equal members of of, of, of government, um, and so so things have been a lot better. But I always told folks, you know, she is still governor and she's still a governor. So let's wait until what the budget, you know, let's see what the budget actually looks like. And uh, and for the most part, we actually were making really good progress up until about two weeks ago, and then uh, then sadly she pulled a page out of Cuomo's handbook and introduced at the eleventh hour something that I think does not need to be discussed in the budget. Uh, this whole 10-point bail reform thing, 10-point uh, public safety plan, she calls it. I don't believe that's what it is, but uh, that but that kind of took all the oxygen out of the room. And although there's certainly conversations that are still ongoing, uh, the fact is that some of the biggest items have not been resolved. And I think a lot of it has to do with this. So why is it not different? I think that part of it has to do with the fact that our constitution in the state of New York is written the way it is. I think that there are pieces of legislation, which I'm very supportive of, which would change the level of power that the governor has during the budget. Uh, because the, for, for folks, anybody who listens to your podcast probably knows this, but folks, if folks do not, uh, the, the governor has an, an enormous amount of power during the budget that is outsized to the power that she has for the rest of the, that, that they have for the rest of the year. So under normal circumstances, they have to negotiate with us until we kind of come to some sort of agreement during the budget. Uh, they can take policy issues that have no fiscal impact on the state, inject them into the freaking in the freaking budget, and the prior governor did this all of the time. Uh, and then we're kind of faced with this notion that's like, all right, we might like these seven or eight or ten or twenty-five things, but there's this one real crappy, you know, not well thought out, completely watered down version of something, and they're going to make us swallow it. So that's that's part of the problem. It's just the constitutional way that this yeah. is structured. Mm -hmm. Um, how surprised are you that the governor uh, did this with, you know, basically under two weeks to go until there's supposed to be a new budget? How surprised are you that she sort of started to make this uh, public safety agenda push? Uh, obviously, key components of it are altering the bail law that you referred to, um, giving, you know, basically creating more circumstances where people can be held pretrial. Right. Um, how how surprised are you by that? And how how would you characterize the sort of mood reaction in your conference, the state Senate Senate Democratic Conference, um, to it? I'm I'm less surprised and more just deeply disappointed. Uh, it's like we we should not be 
I mean, it's just it's it's a it's a Cuomo move. And and in and in basically every other way, she is not <laughs> like Cuomo. Uh, you know, and I've said this many times, both jokingly and quite seriously. You know, the prior governor had a deeply toxic style of leadership that did not lead to good governance. And it was terrible. And I'm glad that we're they were rid of him. Uh, and there were so many ways in which she is a much better, she's a human, first of all, and she actually respects the legislature, but this is straight out of the Cuomo playbook. So less surprised and more just deep, deeply disappointed as far as the response, you know, I, I will not speak for my conference, but I will certainly speak for me. And that uh, this is not something that I believe needs to be done in the budget. That's number one. Number two, why? I, while I certainly acknowledge that there's public safety concerns of New Yorkers, folks in my district and the rest of the state as well, uh, we have to operate based on facts and not on fear mongering, not on lies, not on misinformation. I, I, I support evidence based violence intervention strategies. I, I support the investment of real resources and communities that actually provide stability. That's what provides stability, more resources, not, not more cops. Uh, the and, and as far as the, the bail reform is concerned, as far as bail, that is not what has driven uh, crime, what, whatever the crime increases that we might have seen, uh, which a lot of it has been completely blown out of proportion by places like the New York Post, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I am, again, just deeply disappointed that the right. governor felt that this is something that needed to be done during the budget. Um, and, uh, I, and the as an added bonus of the bad part of this, it took the oxygen out of the room on all the other conversations. And I'll take a second to say, particularly as it relates to the health budget, and my colleague, Dick Gottfried, has said this as well, right? It was the, It is the best, even her version, which we are trying to make better with negotiations, is the best health budget that I've seen in my entire legislative career, mm -hmm. right? And, and so we would have been happy to kind of negotiate with that, and we were, and we were making some progress, and we're still having conversations, but this bail thing, took all of the oxygen out of the room. And then, and then it meant that we're just talking about that as opposed to talking about, you know, uh, money for safety net hospitals or, you know, fair pay for home care or the essential plan, et cetera. So that was my concern. Yeah. Um, I want to get to some other issues, including those health issues that you're obviously most focused on as, as the health chair and, and with a, you know, a long background and interest in those, in those issues. Um, uh, just one, one more on this. Are you, I mean, at this point, some tweaks to to the bail law appear very likely. Is that a fair characterization? I uh, I I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I think that some I think that some of the, some some of this ten point plan version. There's parts of it, and look, by the way, there's parts of it that I can actually that I can actually be supportive of. There, we're talking if we're talking about more funding for. Mental health services, I'd be supportive of that. There's some, uh, there's some things around the issues of gun trafficking that I can also be supportive. But, but as it relates to raise the age or or bail or, uh, uh, or or discovery, some of the stuff that's in there actually would push us even to to be actually worse than whatever status quo existed in 2019. And I would not be supportive of any of those. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I am going to wait to see what's in the last version, but you know I I will, you know I think that we should be focused on fiscal matters, and this is not one of them. And what about this idea? I think there was some reporting by Zach Fink in New York One, um, this idea that you know sort of 
the potential trade-off, the horse trading uh, of some of these things that the governor wants for something like the Clean Slate Act for support of that, which would uh, seal criminal convictions after uh, individuals have served their time and are not rearrested for a certain amount of time and they get their you know, convictions uh, sealed so that they're not impediments for housing, for jobs, et cetera. It seems like there might be something along those lines at play here. Is that is that the type of uh, trade-off that's being considered and that you could you know potentially support if you had to swallow that pill? I will, I will wait to see what's actually in any final version. I think that uh, but but I will reiterate, reiterate that uh, the the you only reason that. why things like this get injected into a budget conversation is because uh, and, and this is the prior governor certainly because the, the they because they believe the governors believe that they can't get it done another time because it's bad policy and so if 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 we have uh, I mean because we also I'm sure we're going to talk about the housing stuff and mm-hmm. and I think that that's something that needs to be discussed off a of budget as well. Whenever the prior administration tried to shove down something down our throats at the at the eleventh hour, and I voted against budgets before that have included these things, and I would certainly vote against budgets in the future that include things that I don't think are, you know, that that I don't think are passable. So we we will see what is in the ultimate what is the ultimate package. I I trust that our leader is communicating to the governor very clearly about the feeling of this of the of the Senate. Um, cause I can't speak for the entire Senate. I can speak for myself, but our leader speaks for us. And I'm sure that she is communicating clearly to the governor about what our feelings are about her, um, attempts to inject this into the 11th hour. Do you, do you not recognize any issues that need tweaking in the bail law? Are there not problems that are sort of agreed upon with, with how, uh, you know, you have people with dozens of of arrests are not dealt with you know differently in some ways that the sort of these you know we, we see these stories of people with with dozens and dozens of arrests um for a variety of, of types of alleged crimes um uh things related to gun possession and how you know it can be dealt with you don't think there's any sort of room for tweaks on any of the uh, on any of this stuff the problem is that most of what you're mentioning are stories which do not include all the facts. Sometimes are completely mislabeled, right? Are completely missing. They're they're not all the all the details of the of the stories are not communicated. And more importantly, and this to me is very clear, it is if we have somebody who's been arrested for theft over and over and over and over and over again, or is being arrested for public lewdness, for example, uh, over and over and over and over again. We're not fixing the problem by putting that person in prison. We're not fixing the problem. We have to be honest about how we achieve public safety. The, the notion here, because let's go over it again. Number one, a lot of the stories that we're talking about here are stories that are blown completely out of proportion and do not respond to the facts of the case, particularly because in many of these cases, the judges already had the discretion. Yes. So that's number one. Right. So we're talking about lies and misinformation. That's number one, fear mongering. Right. Second, the question that we really have to ask about somebody who is a who is somebody who is arrested on a regular basis is why that is happening in the first place. And that goes back to the conversation that many of us have been trying to have, which is how do we actually achieve public safety in places like the districts that I represent? Poor and working class neighborhoods like the ones I represent don't have high crime rates because the people that live there are worse than other folks 
We have poverty and crime exist in the same place. Lack of resources exist in the same place as crime. That is the reason why we have stable communities. We have stable communities in neighborhoods, in high-class neighborhoods that have a lot of resources. They don't have over-policing. They don't have high crime rates. It exists in our neighborhoods because of lack of resources. So I refuse to engage in a conversation which is more about trying to solve some perceived political problem than to that something that actually solves the problem. So that's my issue here. Let's talk about a couple of your health priorities. Yeah. Um, uh, what are what are the top things you're looking for here? Uh, I I having heard you in other interviews, having seen your response, you know your statement on the Senate uh, Majority's uh, one house budget resolution. Um, there's there's obviously the the question of expanding uh, health care options for undocumented New Yorkers. Is that going to be in this budget uh, agreement? You know where where does that stand? And then go ahead into any other top priorities you have. Well, I think that those are that those are very those are very key. Excuse me, those are very key uh, things for me. Number one, uh, as 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 you've mentioned, I'm the chair of the health committee, so everything related to the to health conversations that's happening at the health table. There's a lot of conversations that are still ongoing. Uh, when we're talking about the potential expansion of the essential plan, we are still in negotiations on that. Uh, I certainly believe in the Senate, and I know that the Assembly believes the same thing. It's why we included it. In our, uh, in our one house budgets, that uh, it is important to provide access to undocumented folks to something that they don't have access to right now. And so we're in conversations and uh, the negotiations are a little challenging, uh, but, they're, but they're still ongoing as far as how much it would cost. Um, what's the governor's have, what's the governor's pushback on that is it just the cost a few you know several hundred million dollars or, or potentially well, it, up to it a is it is the cost, but it is the cost based on what I believe is an unreasonable assumption. Um, their, their concerns, I mean, this, this all, I mean, it's a budget conversation, right? So it all comes down to how much it costs, but- uh, well, We have to believe in it first too. I don't know if the governor- Certainly. Even, well, yeah. actually, well, I'll tell you what, I, I, they, they've been engaging with us like it's a thing that might happen okay. if we can agree on a cost. So they haven't told us this is not happening at all. I mean, certainly what they believe or not believe, you're gonna to have to ask them, but at sure. least from what's been happening at the table, it has not been dismissed out of hand, which is what certainly happened in the in with the departed did this all the time. Like he would, we would get to the table, there'd be 10 issues, and they say one through five, don't even think about it. We're not gonna do them at all. Six through ten are terrible, and let's actually deal with them. That's not what's been happening. This is something that they're still engaged with in conversations. But the differences have to do with the amount of people that they think are they're they're saying are eligible, and then how what the percentage of those folks are that are going to use the program. Now this is the problem. This is the issue that we have a very big disagreement on because the uh, the assumption that is being made in the negotiations has to do with a very high level of participation, which we don't think is accurate. There is no like when there's there's a government program. Think about any government program you might you might you might have off the top of your head. And think about what, how many people who are eligible actually participate in it, right? Yeah. And that is the big distinction, that if you are arguing that if you're going to have like 80 or 90 or 100% participation, then obviously something is going to be very expensive. But we're saying ain't no program that has ever done that ever. And so we're having that conversation right now, right? There's also conversations about funding for safety net hospitals and uh, and and, um, uh, uh, and, and, uh, and distressed hospitals. Uh, and, and I should say, again, 
and this is something I said earlier, the even the original version of the budget is much better than what we've gotten in the past and much better in ways that shows that there's a commitment to trying to make up for the lack of investment and the and the austerity that has ruled the conversation related to public health and safe and Medicaid and, and hospitals in the last 10 years, right? So there is, so we are, we are turning the corner, but we think that there's some things that could be done better. Uh, certainly also um, fair pay for home care is another one that's important. So we're talking about how do we actually take, uh, we pay a fair wage to people that are home care workers, uh, which by the way, I certainly believe that both essential plan and uh, fair pay for home care are actually economic development plans. Mm-hmm. I'm not even joking about that. If you pay people who are home care workers who are underpaid right now, you pay them to do a very difficult job that many of them love, but they get underpaid for. You pay them enough to actually have some level of stability. Not only do they stay in the job, which means that they will actually continue to do it, which pr- provides some stability for them in their family life, but also provides some stability for the family that they're serving. And this is all money that is going to be immediately invested. It, it's going to go back into the economic system because these are folks that are going to use this to pay, I don't know, to pay their rent, to buy food, to buy clothing. This is like, these are things that, uh, that the same as childcare, by the way, the expansion of childcare, which is in another table, but I'm mm-hmm. certainly supportive of these. We need to talk about these as economic development, uh, as economic development plans, because the type of impact that this will have on the not only instability for particular for particular individuals, but in the but in the communities that they live in, it it can't be you know you can't talk about it enough. You know you're on very different ends of the uh, political spectrum, but I mentioned that I just spoke with uh, the Republican leader of the state senate, Rob Ort, and he, tell me that he, Rob Ort and I agree on something. He Jeez, said that very same thing about. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to grab onto something here. What would you say? as an economic development, uh, you know, tool, and that he's, you know, his the, the Republican conference is fairly supportive of, uh, you know, investments in childcare. They might want to do it differently than than you all will decide to do it. They obviously don't really have much of a say. What is here. our world coming to? <laughs> Or did I agree? Well, listen. I mean, childcare seems to be one of these things yep. that is is uh, you, you know almost universally supported as a as a significant um, uh, good for the, for the public. Um, Absolutely, I'm very and I'm very glad that's the case. We we need yeah. to do. So uh, you know, I mean, when you get into all the nitty gritty of the details, I'm sure there's plenty of disagreements about who's eligible and, and so forth. But uh, a, a, a couple other issues. Tell, tell me, tell me something we haven't touched on that is sort of uh, being conferenced, you know, when the, when the majority leader or top staff go to meet with the assembly speaker or top staff, the governor or top staff, you know, what are, what are th- anything we haven't mentioned that sort of they're coming back with to say, all right, we really got to talk about this as part of this final deal. There's a lot of, you know, kind of, um, things to work out or decide if we can, you know, get behind or we, you know, where we stand on issue X or Y. Obviously the criminal justice stuff you mentioned is, is, has roiled everything and is, is uh, at the top of that list. And then there's other things we've already talked about. Anything else um, that, that we haven't mentioned yet? Cause there's so many issues being yep. negotiated. You know, I would say that the one thing that I, that, that I would say on top of that, I mean, cause we got the, uh, what is it, the 421A or 485W or 327 and three quarters H or whatever, whatever the hell, whatever hell number and letter they're coming up with. Uh, that is, it's a, it's a garbage proposal. It is a garbage proposal. 
you have what's supposed to be a series of tax breaks that would yield us affordable housing. That is never ha- that has not happened. The program is garbage. It does not expire until June. So the idea that we would be talking about it now when it doesn't expire until June uh, and, and not asking real questions about what it actually does, what it's supposed to do, I should say, and what it actually does. What it actually does, it certainly teaches, it certainly treats developers very, very, very well. Uh, but if, and, and I'm glad by the way, and I'll, and I'll take a second to say this, I am absolutely happy that both the building trades as well as 32BJ, which are two, uh, which are two labor, uh, labor 32BJ is a labor union and the building trades as well. I'm very supportive of them and I'm very supportive and I'm happy that they have found a, an agreement uh, between them and the developers saying that, you know, that we, that we could go forward. There's one problem though. It does not actually uh, take into account the impact that it would have on tenants. And I think that that needs to be at the center of the conversation. This needs to be off budget. We have the conversation. It should not be rushed. And and I and I believe that certainly as it relates to 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 uh, to to wages for workers that are going to work at the, for maintenance and what have you in the buildings as well as construction. Certainly, I am glad that we have some agreements there. But there is no agreement on the on the on what it actually is supposed to do, which is to create levels of affordable housing to incentivize the creation of affordable housing. It does not do that. Mm-hmm. And it does not, and it gives a, a hell of a lot of money to, to developers. They're doing all right. I'm not trying to do this during the budget. It is garbage time. So that's this, not, that's just something else. This seems like one of those issues where people who are a bit more on the progressive side of the scale, like yourself, will say what you just said, yep. but push comes to shove governors, extraordinary powers in the budget process as you got at earlier, the fact that, you know, generally speaking, sort of, you know, the the kind of moderate, you know, uh, moderate lane kind of winds up winning out in a lot of these negotiations. You have a, you know, more moderate governor, uh, you, you know, you have sort of like these big conferences in the legislature that have to sort of come to some agreement on stuff. It seems like this is the type of thing that the governor's plan maybe slightly tweaked just winds up being mashed in there. Do you, I mean, is that the likely scenario here, your objections noted? Well, it certainly has happened in the past and I'm, and I'm, you know, and we will see what happens in the next couple of days is, uh, you know, it's a, uh, I, I would, I would, I would say that this is a, this is an enormous problem. And I can certainly, again, I only speak for myself in this yeah. regard, as I said, it is hot garbage as it currently stands, and it should not be done during the budget. Um, and uh, and I and I so I do not speak for our conference, but I know that our leader does, and I know that our leader is talking is 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 making sure that she communicates very clearly to the governor as far as what the feelings of the gov- of the of the conference overall. Mm-hmm. And so I you know I will we will see what actually makes it to the end, but I am not uh, uh, you know I am I am not a fan of it. I'm not sure if you can tell. Give me. <laughs> Give me some quick answers on a, on a couple other things. Whether you do a, a quick like a, a little lightning a, round. What's my favorite lightning round? Was my was yeah. my favorite ice, ice cream and stuff like that? <laughs> uh, if only we had time. It's uh, mint chocolate chip, by the way. It's mint will chocolate there be chip. But anyway, any, will will there be any replenishment uh, from state funds here of the emergency rental assistance program? Is that on the table? The governor didn't include it. Is it? Is it? On the table or off? It's, it, it's that's actually being discussed at another table. I hope there is. Uh, I have not heard. Uh, I have not heard anything on that uh, myself. 
there's this question about um, banning new gas hookups in, in new development. Uh, I don't know if this is something that's really on your radar particularly, but there seems to be broad agreement that there should be some timeline like New York City already implemented for a statewide ban basically on new gas hookups in new development, but it, it's about the details. Do you think an agreement on that gets into the budget? I know that I certainly agree that that buildings are the largest source of emissions in New York, and and we should and and we should do something so that it brings us you know to, to meet the goals of the CLCPA. Uh, but again, that's being discussed at another table, so I'm not sure what's the most up to date negotiations uh, okay. on it. Mayoral control of New York City schools is there an extension uh, going to be worked into the budget? Um, I think that this is a policy measure that needs to be done outside the budget. Mm -hmm. And do you, do you get a sense that that's the consensus in the legislature? Well, well I only speak for myself, sir. <laughs> you have a you have a feel. Uh, so yeah. that 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 ties in with Mayor Adams and his agenda. He uh, the governor wanted to give him an extension of four years of mayoral control of city schools in her budget. Obviously, like a very nice sort of olive branch to the mayor, indicative of a new era of collaboration, so forth. The mayor then makes his own push to change state criminal justice reforms that seems to really uh, upset the apple cart a bit among legislators, including the legislative leaders. Neither house of the legislature puts mayoral control in their one house budget resolution. Is that sort of indicative of the mayor uh, not really handling his relationships with state lawmakers particularly well here? Well, I used to serve with Eric. Uh, so you know, I've, I've known the brother for a while and, uh, you know, uh, certainly had strong character and uh, wants to get things a particular way. And I, you know, I would, I would say that there, you know, maybe a little bit more diplomacy, a little bit less swag would be, would lead to better results, let's just say. And is there anything that you know of that's a priority for him that seems to be, uh, you know, sort of making its way into this deal that he, when he testified before you all at a budget hearing, mm -hmm. he talked about the criminal justice reforms that he wants to see changes to the bail law, raise the age, but he had a, a, a much broader platform agenda, including things related to the earned income tax credit, mental health resources, and so forth. Do you know of anything that's sort of at the top of the city's uh, wish list that he's getting priority on? on? On that one, I will tell you that I have been, you know, I've, I've always had with the prior with the prior mayor or this mayor, I've had a good relationship both with their health department as well as with uh, the 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 health and hospitals corporation, right? The public hospital system, which serves so many New Yorkers and and so many of my constituents. And there's a whole host of uh, priorities that they have, which we have that, that I share with them and that, you know, those are the things that I'm kind of sticking to. So I know that they're you know, supportive of the expansion of the essential plan. I know that they're certainly, uh, that they're supportive of, of, of more money, both capital and operational for safety net hospitals. And, uh, and, and, and also some, uh, there's public health money that has been cut in the past that we need to get back in there. And, uh, and I think we're going to be successful. So on those issues, on health related issues that are at my table, uh, there's a lot of things that we agree on and we have been and I have been working on, you know, they've, they've been pushing and I've been pushing kind of in the same direction. One more on that list is um, the potential extension, if not uh, sort of expansion of Kendra's law, which allows sort of uh, mandatory outpatient mental health treatment. 
Um, where does that stand? That seems like uh, you would have have real insights on that one. Uh, is that going to be part of this budget uh, deal, or are you trying to push that outside the budget? Where where is that stand? Because that's uh, something the mayor wants what like the governor they both want to uh sort of expand the conditions under which people can be ordered into outpatient treatment there's a lot of th that's still being discussed i would say that you know my colleague uh samra brook who's the chair of the uh of the mental health committee in the senate has some very strong opinions on the matter and, and she wants us to make sure she wants to make sure that we're being thoughtful about this she it just co-authored a gotham gazette op-ed saying she doesn't doesn't want to see that law expanded there you go. It's like we are. Do you agree with that? Um, my position at this point is that maybe we should do a straight extender for a year while we talk about it off budget um, there. But I am very open to her. But I'm very open to her to her opinion on this. And I follow her lead on it uh, because this is, you know, this is what her bailiwick is. And she deals with it quite a bit. I, I the the main concern certainly is that that we need to be honest with ourselves about services that are not available. Uh, currently that we have been disinvesting in, in mental health services for such a long time, we find ourselves, we don't have enough services available. We don't have enough beds available. We just need to be thoughtful about, about these individuals. We can't just put them away. We can't just say, well, as long as I don't see them, they're not a problem. We need to be more thoughtful about it. And, uh, and I'm, you know, and I'm going to, at least my position right now, um, I, I would be supportive of a one year straight extension, but, uh, I am very open to, to 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 Samra's opinion on this, and I will be ultimately following her lead. Okay. All right, we're wrapping up here with State Senator Gustavo Rivera. Anything else I haven't touched on? There's so many things on my list here, but we don't have all day. So, any any other thing? Do you want to weigh in on the this Buffalo Bills Stadium deal? Do you want to give us some insights onto this discussion around? Uh, changes to the JCOP, the Joint Commission on Public Ethics. Uh, uh, you can't do I, that. You can't do that. You can't say like, "Oh, we got like twenty seconds left." Let me ask no, you. No, no, we got. We got a couple minutes. About for an hour. Uh, listen. <laughs> we got a couple so to, minutes. I want I think, to respect I, your time. No, I got you. I got you. And I do. And yeah. I do need to go in a second. But this, this is what I'll tell you. I think there is. This is an opportunity for us in this budget. In all seriousness, this is an opportunity in this budget. We have more resources than we've had in the past. We have to be real thoughtful about how do we take this moment to invest in vulnerable communities around the state. How do we actually invest, take this money? These are not expenditures that we're fighting for. We're fighting for investments that will give us stability over a longer period of time. And we have been, if we're talking about rainy day funds, there has been like a freaking deluge over the last couple of years. We're at a moment that we can use these resources to create stability in different parts of our, of, of our state uh, and, and for different communities in our state, different that are vulnerable populations in our state. I believe that we should take that opportunity. Um, and um, and I'm willing to work along with the governor to make sure that we do that. And I'm you know I don't know when exactly we're going to get it done, but hopefully soon. And um, and again, this is important. Uh, mint chocolate chip. That is my favorite ice cream flavor. I am a big big believer in that. Um, speaking of uh, ice cream uh, favorites and and having an appetite there, um, is the is there any appetite in the legislature for um, for giving the governor a hard time on this Buffalo Bills deal. I mean, this is like, hey, again, look, look, do you see that? Do you see that judo thing that you did? I will, I will tell you this. I, I will tell you but, this. But let, but let me say this in asking it. Yeah. This is again, you know, you talk about the governor emulating former governor Cuomo on this last minute public safety thing. 
this is this is very much sort of like business as usual, quote unquote, for Albany stuff with a last minute deal struck and then trying to ram it through in the budget with very little public oversight, no hearing on this, you know, nothing. I will tell you this. Over to um, you. It's I, I've. If I could be transported in time back to the moment when the Yankees were fighting for a new stadium in the Bronx, I would have been the odd man out and I would have stood as strong as possible. And I probably would have been still, it's probably would have still gone through, but I am not in the business of thinking that we should be providing enormous tax breaks to private institutions that don't really give back to the communities that they're from. And so it's, it's why I'm not a Yankees fan to this day. I mean, plus the fact that I don't, I don't like baseball bores me. I'm a basketball guy, but, but this is, this is as a private institution, a private entity, like a, a private business that we're giving billions of dollars to when that money could be actually invested in things that will actually provide well-being and stability for real communities and real people. I well, the, arg the argument I, is that this is economic development, right? That again, this, this creates commerce and jobs in, in that area. But Universal childcare is economic development. Creating affordable housing to provide stability for people who are currently homeless is economic development. Providing the uh, opportunity for people who are formerly incarcerated to have economic opportunities, that is economic development. I am not a fan of corporate giveaways. Um, but this is going to go through, right? Not really. What's that? This is going to go through, though, right? I mean, the, the legislature is not going to stop the governor's deal from happening, right? I will, you know, let's see what happens. All right. State Senator Gustavo Rivera, as always, appreciate the time, the candor, the table pounding to make your points come through uh, stronger in our in our audio here and uh, insights into your your favorite ice cream flavor, as well as many uh, and chocolate chips. Uh, good luck with final uh, negotiations. What yeah. give me set the set the betting line. Nobody's nobody's actually betting here. But since New York is now. Uh, uh, a full-on sports gambling state about to we didn't even get into the casino licenses this is really uh, you know talk about questionable economic development the casinos in new york city i don't know i, I don't know i mean I, I i understand the idea that people are going to connecticut anyway or wherever they're going to gamble i've done it myself here or there but casinos in new york city i, I don't know i don't know I have that um, conversation with Liz Kruger. I'm sure she'll give you an earful or two. About well, there's casino. plenty of space on the Upper East Side for a casino, obviously. Oh, I'm, I'm going to tell Liz you said. Town East. But, um, but set the line for us on when we're going to have this budget uh, done. What's the, what's we're not the have it senator? Done. We're not going to have it done by the first. That's what I can no. tell you. Yeah. So we're talking like April, what, 4th, 5th? We're not going to get it done by the first. Or over the weekend. All right, well... Good luck voting on something that you won't have read. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I don't know how this keeps happening there, but uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, discussion for another time. We we started off on that. forever, so. sir. I live All right. forever. <laughs> Thanks for the time. Uh, uh, be well. All right. Take care, brother. All right. Take care.